Rest, brave ones. When you awake, you shall be well. He was slinging pawns at a B&B when he had an epiphany. And they complained about time too, about not playing the ND. It was free for all, and I heard him say he bought my borderlands. But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, 'cause you're incapable. Hello and welcome to Keep Off The Borderlands. My name's Spencer, AKA Free For All. And um, as usual, I'm not too sure what I've got for you in this episode. Let's let's see. Um, I've got some lovely messages I need to respond to. Um, I'll probably say a little bit about some podcasts I've been listening to. Um, there's a little debagging and some uh, Into the Odd News, although it may very well be old news by the time I've published this. So, I'll do the uh, debagging first, and then on to the messages. What's this? What's this? There's something in a eBay bag. Um, A4 size softback. I know what this is. It's something that went missing when I moved to Scotland almost eight years ago now. And I've seen it on eBay a few times and contemplated whether to repurchase it. And um, it's 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 seen better days, but it was uh, damn sight cheaper than what uh, the other ones were going for. Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston's Titan, the Fighting Fantasy World, edited by Mark Gascoigne. And um, yeah, it's... Probably not as in as good a condition as the one that went missing. Although, actually, it's the cover that's taken the wear and tear. The interior is pretty spotless. And, yeah, I'm glad I got this because it's really... It's all flooding back how much pleasure I used to get from uh, pouring through this book with its maps and characters and a wonderful image on the inside cover by uh, John Blanche that I'd completely forgotten about let's have a look yes there's the there's the big map of Titan the old world Alancia and Cull Ocean of Tempests, Ocean of Serpents, the Black Ocean, the Western Ocean. Ah, yes. Some wonderful, flavourful illustrations throughout this. Thane, the Dwarven Capital, 
Where's that wonderful cross-section of the, the wizard's tower? Ah, there we go. Yaztromo's tower. I just, I love that illustration. Just so much going on in there. Um, if you recall, I did go into some description about that in one of the um, one of the RPG a day month episodes from last year. I was looking at that on the the, the PDF, but uh, yes, just nice to have it here in, in physical form. Um, oh yeah, there's a big map of Paul Blacksand there. Um, great stuff. I don't know if you can tell, but I've got a stinking cold, <laughs> which I've had for almost a week now. Getting a little tired of it, to be honest. But uh, no, this is great, and I'm glad. I'm very happy to be able to have replaced this. So, yeah, as I said, I got a few messages and much of it appears to be, well, what should we call it? Fan mail? Um, but not for me, for my guest co-host, shall we call her, from the last couple of episodes. So let's delve into those. No, 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 more, more of the funny show, more of the little people hitting each other. That's what I like, little things hitting each other. <laughs> Hello, Spencer, it's just safer here. Just want to say how much I enjoyed that last podcast of yours, especially the section with your daughter and just uh, hearing the creativity coming out of her, uh, just naturally pouring out of her. Probably the best live play I've ever actually heard, to be in truth. And not really, not really just joking there because... She actually came up with the plot of Gawain and the Green Knight all by herself. It's almost like some um, Jungian um, collective unconscious is going on. But uh, great stuff. It's great to hear young voices being just creative like that. Um, but it, it, it's a bit disconcerting at the same time because with my nephew as well, it's it's a bit disconcerting how easily they just fall into extreme violence in their storytelling as well. But uh, great episode, uh, Spencer. Glad to hear you back on the mic. Take care. Thank you, Safer, Safer of Safer Fantasy Crafting there. And um, yeah, it's funny how they always go straight to the violence. Did have me wondering what are people going to think of my uh, parenting skills. But yeah, it, it doesn't seem to phase them at all, does it? And the young mind works in, uh, in mysterious ways. And um, I think as adults, it's very easy to imbue imbue what they say with their own tainted sensibilities and the, and the best actual play ever um I, I, if it is i certainly don't feel i can take any credit for that and um yeah as for Gwen and the green knight the much anticipated movie i'm really looking forward to watching that and uh, looking forward to maybe doing a review episode but um yeah not sure when that's due for release in the next couple of weeks i think 
Yeah, certainly excited for that one. But uh, yeah, thanks very much, Safa. Thanks for your kind words. Cheers. Hey, Spencer. It's BJ. Um, I think you've got to make story time with your daughter a regular feature on your podcast. That that was amazing. <laughs> There's nothing, uh, nothing as wonderful as the imagination of children. And when we play the games we play, I think we are, hopefully, even when we're playing like something like Call of Cthulhu that's slightly serious and, and has horror elements, I do hope on some level we're, we're reconnecting with the child side of our, ourselves and can have that sense of wonder and joy. And so that was, that was just really great to hear, hear that extended uh, clip of your daughter uh, making up a story about the restless queen and <laughs> yoga. So yeah, uh, we need more of that. I think we should. Thank you, BJ. BJ Boyd there, the arcane alienist. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure about, you know, exploiting my daughter's talents and making that a, a regular feature. Then the next day she spent the whole day talking about poop. So it's not always going to be up there with the restless queen, which I mean, that was when she came out with that, I couldn't believe it. It's just uh, beautiful stuff. But yeah, as for ourselves as players, going to, to those places where you mentioned uh, playing more serious games like Call of Cthulhu. I don't know if you've listened to the actual play of Call of Cthulhu that I've been involved in for, for almost a year now on Andy Goodman's Grizzly Peaks Radio. I, I'm not sure serious is the first word that would spring to mind. Yeah, I've certainly been having... A lot of fun playing in that game, I can tell you. Uh, but thank you, BJ. Thank you very much for that message. Cheers. Your daughter is a genius. You know she was describing a lich, right? What creature gets killed and pulls its life back in? The lich, through its phylactery. She doesn't even know what a lich is. Yet, she knows exactly what a lich is. The Restless Queen is horrifying horrifying and your daughter is amazing thank you joe joe richter there from hindsightless and the sadly no longer with us wheeler woe which has been brought to an untimely end but thank you very much for your kind words yes indeed i'm biased but she is a genius and equally terrifying <laughs> The restless Lich Queen would certainly serve as a memorable foe when I actually get around to running games of my own, which leads me nicely into the next message. Hey, Spencer. That's cool that you unbox the OSE stuff. I've been wanting to either play or run OSE, and maybe if you... I know you said you have trepidations for GMing, and I think you did really well. And uh, it'd be cool to play in a game that you were to run, I think. I wouldn't mind. It'd be fun. We'd be nice. Maybe. Thank you, Carl. Carl Rodriguez there from 
the GMologist presents GM extraordinaire himself. And um, it's funny. I think, I think there's, there's some strange magic going on there in that message. There, there was uh, just something about that maybe at the end uh, that, that turned the, the encouragement into, into a challenge perhaps. And um, as much as I love the OSE stuff, it's wonderful books. I don't think that's going to be the system that I'm going to begin my life as a game master with. Um, just because um, I know it's a simple system, certainly for those of you that grew up with it, as as any uh, long-term listener will know. Um, my introduction to RPGs was through Merp. I did have one session of Mensa Redbox that was run by a friend's younger sister and uh, I think it was her first time GMing and her brother, my friend, was a bit of a munchkin in that session and um, where it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth and I would not touch D&D again and until discovering the OSR a few years ago. And the, the point being that the BX that is OSE doesn't come as natural to me as it would do to the, the other gamers out there. I'm leaning towards maybe something a little bit lighter, something where I can feel that I've internalised the rules and that I'll be able to run something without having to refer back to a rule book. Uh, something like Into the Odds, a game that makes sense to me on the page, a, a simple system that I feel I can internalise and therefore focus on the actual running of a session rather than worrying about, you know, quirks or inconsistencies or, you know, subsystems. Set that stuff aside and just focus on running a fun session. Probably a good point to mention the Kickstarter of the remastered version of Into the Odd, which uh, Chris McDowell is uh, putting up on Kickstarter on the 21st of September, I believe. He's basically got together with the guy who's responsible for designing Merkborg and... As far as I'm aware, he won't really be changing the content, certainly not the rules. I think the included adventure is going to have a couple of dungeon levels added to it. And um, I think he's rewriting the arcana, the essentially the magic items that are listed in the original Into the Odd book. And for anyone who might be concerned the 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 resulting book might be some kind of illegible art project. It looks like the art that's being provided for the book is being kept separate from the text. So the text will appear on one page. The art will complement it on another page. You're not going to have, you know, a D6 table spread over three pages or anything like that. And essentially, I think what he's 
going for with the look of the book to have it appear as if it's an artifact of that world. I've seen some images of it and, um, well, I'm certainly backing it. I can understand folks may be um, quite happy with Into the Odd the way it was. And as I say, he's not changing the rules. I believe it's going to be an A5 book, unlike Electric Bastion Land, uh, making it perhaps a bit more usable at the table. Chris has said himself that he was quite surprised that after creating Electric Bastion Land, he thought that people would slowly move over to that system, but it's become... Not, I say that system, it's it's the same system, it's just a different setting. The setting has moved on. But the love for that setting of Into the Odd has persisted and people are still championing that. So his thinking was to create a nice hardback book for, for a rule system that was essentially softback staple bound you know create something a bit more physically substantial sorry a bit of a tangent um but yeah thank you carl for that message thank you for the encouragement and uh we're hoping to run sessions in the near future also thanks to the encouragement of a certain mr barney dicker of loco ludus who bless his heart has been uh, nudging me in that direction himself. And uh, talk of the devil. Well, you are a little sneak, Spencer, because uh, that bonus recording of you and your daughter um, talking about the restless queen, you know, really, you're, you're GMing there, aren't you? That is, that is called GMing. So you're already doing it. It's happening. Um, although, although there is quite a strong argument, you could make quite a strong argument that that particular uh, little scenario was a case of the tail wagging the dog, if one might be permitted to put it that way round, which, you know, is not necessarily representative of uh, either party. Uh, in that particular adventure. I say forget the solo gaming and the published stuff. I say you and your daughter sit down indoors where the wind can't get you and get the get the dice rolling for aesthetics, you know, for aesthetic effect. Roll the bones um, hear them. Hear the sound of them clacking on the table. I say, get paper and pens out, and get the game going. This, you know, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be the first person to do this. You know, this would make a great actual play. Uh, she's, she's on it. So, you know, just let's let's hear more of that. Fantastic, fantastic. Mr. Barney Dicker there of Loco Ludus. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much for those wonderful messages, Barney. Um, yeah, see, getting her indoors and sitting down, 
that's that's the challenge getting her sat down one of the benefits of us being in the garden that day was she was running around busying herself uh with um, other things while we were talking uh, and, and as i say um you know you say she's got it she has her moments i'll give her that but she doesn't always have it <laughs> um what, what am i saying what am i saying look and I hear what you're saying about leaving the solo stuff and the published stuff. I hear that. And I it made me think about what what I'm doing there. You know, why am I finding myself wanting to revisit that? And not only because that story from that solo session, having those characters play out the the next stage of their adventure, you know, every now and again my thoughts will revisit where I left them but this this oh hang on I'm being interrupted I'll get back to you soon so yeah why why solo I guess what I think I'm doing there is attempting to exercise my improvisational muscles perhaps um uh, gather supporting material for creating random stuff I think that that might be underlying an, an underlying motivation that that's drawing me in the the direction of solo play perhaps because I certainly don't feel that I've got time for solo play and if I have got time for solo play well then maybe I should be utilizing that time for group play so, there you go. Thanks, Barney. And, uh, yeah, I've been having an awful lot of fun playing in games with Barney, not only uh, Andy Goodman's Call of Cthulhu sessions, but um, Barney's been running the League of Eternal Guardians games, which have been really, really good fun. And what was interesting to learn is that the... The League of Eternal Guardian system, if not the same, is very similar to what's being used as the basis for the Tricksters Net project, which is something that I'm I'm quite excited about. Um, Barney's done a couple of episodes on Loco Ludus where he's talked about the project, but it wasn't until listening to them on on, on Roleplay Rescue where Che Webster interviewed barney and his the the co-creator um tom from playframe which episode is it uh 915 it was only listening to that episode that i really feel that i understand a bit more of what they are going for with this project and um in fact there's already a holding page up on itch.io where they plan to publish the rules free of charge and uh, yeah just just all very interesting stuff which i urge you to go and listen to hey spencer there's at least the third try for this message <laughs> i'm having a hard time getting it out but 
Great hearing you on the air again. Been a long time, but totally understand why. Not a problem at all. I'm going to get a comment on one call, and that's your response to to Trey Webster from Roleplay Rescue's call. And, you know, your comments in regard to classification of players. You you know, it's interesting. I, I think there's value in talking to intelligent, observant people and, and seeing what they think when they observe play styles. But I haven't yet seen a categorization system that I fully agree with or that people easily and simply slot in there. And even Che has said himself that people aren't one thing or another thing. They're, they're degrees and, you know, they're a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So as far as the classifications you were talking about on your podcast, I fall in the casual category because I like being there. I enjoy being there to hang out with friends, the camaraderie, the banner. I like to observe other people playing and the not instructive, the constructive and in interesting ways they solve problems, things like that. But I'm also interested in the rules and, you know, given a chance if I don't keep it under control, I can be quite the little rules lawyer. So I don't know. I don't put a whole lot of stock in any specific system, and I don't think anybody else should either. I, I definitely wouldn't let anybody else classify you. I don't do not think that's healthy. Um, I, I think trying to put yourself in a little slot is about the worst thing you could do as a as a human being. Human beings should be versatile, not pigeonholed. And I realize you weren't saying that you felt pigeonholed, and you weren't saying that you're forever damned to be a certain kind of role player or another. But I, I just felt since you made those comments that this would be a good place to get off my chest. The how maybe it's because I'm American, but I, I and, and, and buck against authority and, and have that anti authoritarian streak. But I, I tend to bristle whenever I see any kind of classification systems for, you know, for real life humans. Um, even though there def- definitely is a need for them and they definitely have value in, in use when used correctly. So now that I've admitted my shortcomings, I will let you go and I will talk to you later. Take care. Thank you, Jason. Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. And as always, uh, some thought-provoking stuff there. As you say, Che pointed out that these categories are you know people fall into more than one category and I think um Robin Laws points that out himself and I don't really I I don't know how authoritarian Robin Laws is but I didn't kind of get that through the reading of the book that didn't come across um I, I I don't feel that those categories are about trying to label players as such as more I see it more as um, a series of suggestions for a GM who might be struggling to keep players engaged you know we may have uh, players who are kind of feeling that they're not getting what they want from the game and here's a list of suggestions that what you know different types of players might be looking for you know I, I that's how i feel it was presented 
you know, as an aid to GMs, keeping players engaged. And, um, you know, as with any form of categorization, you know, we've all had a thing to say about labels in the past. Personally, I think that the problem with labels is why they're being used, not necessarily with the labels themselves, but who's using them and to what purpose. So, yeah, thanks very much for that, Jason. I mentioned that I was going to speak about a few podcasts I've been listening to. One in particular is Blogs on Tape, which has, hasn't has been putting out episodes for the past, I don't know, something like 18 months or so. I think about a month ago, maybe more. It reappeared, and I've always found that a really interesting listen. They really do a good job in picking out quality, thought-provoking blog posts to read and um, there was a recent episode I think it was 106 six cultures of play which was a post originally by um, John B on the retired adventurer blog and he was talking about looking at these kind of subcultures within the RPG hobby and it breaks them down into uh, what is it, classic, trad, or traditional, Nordic LARP. I think I'll have to go back and reread what that is. Story games, the OSR, and OC or Neo Trad games. I'm not sure what the OC stands for, uh, but um. Yeah, in fact, I certainly have to go back and reread that article or listen to the uh, Blogs on Tape episode again, at at the least. But it was really interesting listening to the description of OSR in the context of those categories. And um, what what made a lot of sense to me was the, the idea that the OSR is actually a romanticization of how games used to be played rather than any attempt to authentically recreate how people played back then. It's very much an idealized way of playing given uh, how when, when you look at a lot of things that are attributed to labelled as OSR and then you look back at what they're supposedly based on and and you find that that's not quite how it was back then and it certainly uh, explains a lot of confusion from people kind of outside that culture as it were and how things don't really appear to add up (laughs) to too much when you start trying to pin it down and figure out exactly where the boundaries are and uh yeah it was just a just a really interesting piece that that i think is well worth looking at for anybody interested in in these different styles of play so yeah check that out um as for other podcasts i've been listening to and enjoying uh there's one 
that I recently discovered called the Gelatinous Cube with uh, two hosts, Adam Stewart and his sister Rosie. They essentially explore different encounters or scenarios and um, I just find that the episodes are full of uh, some really interesting ideas. So, uh, yeah, well worth checking that out. I've also been enjoying the Lost Bay podcast, which is um, a bi-monthly show where they uh, interview indie RPG creators and um, some really, really good stuff there. They've interviewed a few people who've created stuff uh, for Zine Quest recently. And also the um, another very similar podcast, the Dungeon Designers Guild, where they interview games creators and go into the stories behind uh, their creations. Chris McDowell was most recently interviewed on there. Um, I listened to uh, one featuring Ben Milton, a few months ago and uh and there was there was definitely there was another one i've been i'm racking my brains trying to remember what it was called uh tabletop talk recently listened to a episode where they were speaking to rowan rook and deckard the creators of um spire and heart they're games that I have been fascinated by, but I've yet to really check them out. Not taken the plunge there. Probably not unlike Into the Odd in the sense that Spire is the city and Heart is the uh, reality distorting underworld beneath it. So, uh, yeah, some, some, some podcasts to check out there. Well, that's about enough from me, I think. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you so much for your calls. If you want to leave me a message, please contact me via the anchor link in the description. You can always email me or leave me an audio message at spencer.freeforall at gmail.com. There's a Facebook page for Keep Off The Borderlands. You can find me on Twitter and MeWe on the Audio Dungeon Discord and various other places on Discord as Free Thrall. I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for the wonderful music he provides. And it just remains for me to say, take it away, TJ. Warning, if celebrating the sound of dice hitting the table and pondering the meaning of the many acronyms within your player's handbook doesn't cure that burning sensation, please see your doctor.